This is Coach AA, and welcome to the June 6th edition. The three things for today. One, continuing the series about George Leonard's brilliant book, Mastery. Today, we will meet the hacker. As always, I have three quotes for you. And the final one will be about a fun night and a sucky, guilt-ridden morning. Let's get on with it. Let's meet the hacker. We met the dabbler. We met the obsessive. Now, let's read what George Leonard has to say about the hacker. The hacker has a different attitude. After sort of getting the hang of a thing, he or she is willing to stay on the plateau indefinitely. He doesn't mind skipping stages essential to the development of mastery if he can just go out and hack around with fellow hackers. He's the physician or teacher who doesn't bother going to professional meetings. The tennis player who develops a solid forehand and figures he can make do with a ragged backhand. At work, he does only enough to get by, leaves on time or early, takes every break, talks instead of doing his job, and wonders why he doesn't get promoted. End quote. I'm going to stick to using me as the example for this series because it's just a lot simpler, a lot safer. I don't want to confuse anybody, but it's, it's this, the point is it's not about me. I'm just using me as an example, okay? So, my school versus my previous job, that's where I would like to start this. So at school, uh, now that I look back at it, I wish I knew it back then, I was a hack. I was a hacker, okay? I figured out the rules of the game and I did just enough to get by. Again, all our definitions of getting by can, can vary, but those are just minor details. The fact was, I didn't work harder than I could have. I didn't try to, you know, improve my backhand, so to speak. I just got by on my forehand and, well, that taught me quite a bit of bad habits. Now, my previous job, the one I had before I uh, moved back to India to start the quad, I was aware of what I was doing. I did just enough at my job to get by. A, a reasonably good standard, not a high standard, not, you know, oh my God, this guy is unbelievable and irreplaceable, but enough to get by enough to 
do a good job and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's not something, yeah, let's say a seven out of 10. Why? Well, about a year or so into my job, I realized I didn't really want to do this. By then, I had a hazy idea of what I wanted to do, which was just dive into fitness and nutrition. And so, I used the free time in my job and I, I worked at a very large corporation which enabled this for me. I used all the free time in my job to research fitness, to research nutrition. I was always reading up about a bunch of things or using the time to train or write my own blog or whatever. Again, the advantage was I say I worked in a project which had like 15 different stakeholders on it. So whenever I submitted my work, it would take anywhere from three to five days for it to come back to me with feedback or next steps. So I was always early with my work because I would, well, you know, it would take me a few hours to do the work and I'd be done with it and I'd send it out. In the beginning, I would get frustrated waiting uh, for it to come back. But then once I found this, well, it was great. Blogs, videos, training plans, books. In fact, I would block my lunch calendar, on my calendar, I mean, and go out and train and come back and eat lunch at my desk uh, while catching up on work. So it was a very conscious decision. Whereas at school, I was oblivious. And looking back, the conscious decision meant I didn't shoot myself in the foot. From the outside, it might have seemed like it because I wasn't going to get promoted. I wasn't going to really make any forward progress. I was stagnating. But I was fine with it because it wasn't what I really wanted to do. And you'd think growing up or being older, uh, I wouldn't do much of this. But I have another example where I've been a hacker and been unaware or blissfully unaware. And it was not a good idea. Uh, Frisbee. I love playing ultimate or maybe I should say I loved playing ultimate. And I have a few skills which you know, equate to you know, the solid forehand and I get by and I more than get by. I can hold my own on the field, but I've not bothered to work on things I suck at. In fact, as the years have gone by, the amount of time I've had to practice has it's pretty much zero. And this was just me being silly because I did have a company to run and I had coaching duties as well. And here I was trying to get better at Ultimate Frisbee as well, which requires, well, at least a 10-hour commitment every week. And I didn't have it. And instead of 
calling it as is and either making peace with, you know what, just go have fun. I was trying to just, I was unhappy with my lack of progress and all that. And last year or whenever I read this book for the first time, it was immediately and blindingly obvious what I needed to do. I needed to stop playing ultimate. I needed to stop because I was not having fun with it because I was having unrealistic expectations. If I'm going to go there and hack around, that is fine. But I can't go there and then beat myself up about, oh, my skills are the same or poorer while everybody around me is getting better. Well, of course they are. They practice. They spend their time on this. Yeah, and so taking that call to stop playing ultimate actually made a big, big, big deal for me. So my overall thoughts on this, I've found that being a hacker at certain times can be productive and useful. As I explained, at work, at my previous job, it was useful, but I could have let it get to me if I was not aware of it. It allowed me to have the time and the space to work on something else. But let's say playing badminton or ultimate or whatever, if I had the mindset that I'm just going to go hack around, that's fine. You're just out there having fun with your buddies and you're all about the same level. You know, you're goofing around. You're still competitive, right? But you're not really trying to get better at it by taking coaching lessons or whatever. You found the level you want to be at and you enjoy being there because it serves the purpose. And in places where it does not, serve the purpose, you got to take the appropriate call because you're just wasting your time and other people's time. So recognizing which situations, what type you are, I think is just crucial because you can just use this lens to figure out what you want to do. You're not making forward progress in a place you think you should be making forward progress? Well, which type are you? And that might lead you to the answer. Being too stressed and not having fun in something? Well, in all probability, you're being obsessive over there. Whereas being stagnant somewhere, well, you're probably just being a hacker not seeing the results you want, let's say in fitness and nutrition, it might be a combination of either being a dabbler where you're just flitting from one thing to the other as soon as you find that first plateau and being a hacker where you know your skill levels are, well, you've stopped working on your skill levels and there's only so much you can do, do uh, you can do from this, this place. I think a simple guideline for the things that you truly care about, the long term is mastery. A useful exercise and something I will do as well and maybe share if you're interested in that and I get responses from your end, 
might be to look at three things in your life and see which personality type or persona type you fall under. I found it to be a very useful exercise. You know, maybe you will too. And that's that. Let's move on to three quotes. Starting with Jack Welch. Working to fulfill someone else's needs or dreams almost always catches up with you. I was recommended Jack's book, Winning. And oh, it was a great recommendation. Something I needed uh, in both my job as a founder and as a coach. Now this might seem to be a digression, but it's not. I mean, it's why relating back to the previous topic it's why I was fine being a hacker at my previous job. There are two primary reasons why Raj and I found out the quad. One, to spread the word that fitness can be fun and you, whoever you are, can transform your health by doing a few simple things. It's not that complicated. It's not that silly. You don't need to do all those stupid things that people say. It's a lot more straightforward and not nonsensical. And the second one was to create fulfilling careers where we can truly make a difference uh, to people's lives. Because uh, that was something I felt deeply unfulfilling in my previous career. I mean, who am I making these products or screens for? Sure, sure, it makes somebody make more money, but one, eh, who are these people? I never get to meet them. And two, well, somebody's health and fitness, you know, and the impact it has in their life, in the immediate change and transformation that can happen, I've felt that firsthand for myself. That I felt was something I would like to do more of. So something that does scare me is losing sight of these ideals. You know, do we get larger or do we stick to this? Is there a way to balance both? Because, well, you know what? It's got to be compromises as we go along. So anyway, is something for you to ponder. Are you fulfilling your needs and dreams or somebody else's? All right, the second quote, and I'm not going to opine further on this one. This one's from Adam Smith. It is because mankind are disposed to sympathize more entirely with our joy than with our sorrow that we make parade of our riches and conceal our poverty. Nothing is so mortifying as to be obliged to expose our distress to the view of the public and to feel that though our situation is open to the eyes of all mankind, no mortal conceives for us the half of what we suffer. 
end quote. And the last one, a theme that many smart people say, this one's by Dr. Abdul Kalam, small aim is a crime, have great aim. Bruce Lee talks about this as well, where he wants us to have large goals because the point is not to try to just reach that goal, is it is to expand ourselves as we try to strive for something that's pretty much unattainable and the growth that comes with going there. Because after all, journey over destination and direction over speed and all that. All right, now, final topic for the day. A fun night and a sucky morning after. Saturday night, you had a fun night with your friends. Let's say you were drinking while, you know, just chatting on Zoom or whatever. And it was a great respite from, you know, the suckiness that most of us are going through today. This is not something, you know, you do all the time. Well, cause we don't. And you're also clear about your long-term goals and values. You went to bed feeling happy and satisfied and you can't wait to do this again. Now that's a, that's a great mindset and that's a wonderful way to de-stress, right? I mean, relationships, friendships, these are important things that as one grows older, one realizes, oh, I need to probably put a little bit more work on. And then you wake up. And then you think, uh, should I go away myself? Well, should you? Should you not? After a bit of back and forth, you just cannot take it. You keep trying to push the thought away, but it keeps coming back. The more you push it away, the more it comes back. And well, you weigh yourself and well, seriously, what do you think is gonna be on the weigh scale? And whatever it is, how do you think it matters? If it is lesser, well, are you gonna drink every night? Because apparently drinking makes you lose weight? Well, if it's more, well, so what? You just had a great night with your friends and yes, you drank. So what if the weight goes up? What else is the weight gonna do if not go up? Anyway, let's rewind a little bit have a fitness or a nutrition or a weight loss or a weight gain goal, right? You know me, my recommendation is to always have it as a long-term direction, not a short-term, let's do this, let's go crazy thing. It's not that you will always be on the path of weight loss, but I think you will, will always be on the path of improving or working on yourself. And fitness and health is a core part of that. Now, when we have a short-term goal, we end up having a very rigid rule set, a diet, let's say, or a bus bench plan, like Coach Dan John would say. There's nothing wrong with it, but it is short-term, and you better stick to it. 
But for most of us, we are always on something short term. We're either getting out of a diet or we're getting into a diet. That is not how things work. That's not how things should work. So when this happens, well, seemingly there are only two options or rather only one option. It unravels, you fall apart and you feel guilty and you go into a spiral and then you do it again and again. This is why we need more long-term thinking. And this values and guidelines more than rules will help us out here. Again, direction over speed and all that. You want to improve your health and fitness. You want to be mobile and pain-free and able to do fun activities for the longer time. Whether it is you know playing with your friends or kids, being able to go on a hike every year, whatever it is. So back to last night. It was a time to just let go of everything else and hang out with your friends. And as part of your long-term thinking of your health, this was a vital night because you connect with your friends. You're having fun, right? Now, the unfortunate spanner in the works is the breaking of the diet. Should you? Should you not? Uh, let's see. Should you have had, I don't know, Diet Coke instead of alcohol? Should you have limited yourself to one drink or should you just let go and have fun? The answer, well, it depends. Let's zoom out. Let's see the larger picture. Hanging out with your friends, having a good time, de-stressing, having robust relationships. All of these are valuable and vital. So there's no problem with that, right? So then it's the drinking. So is the drinking necessary? Is it essential? Of course not. You can still have a good time without drinking. Now that's not to say you shouldn't be drinking. This is not about this or that. Maybe it is about delinking, hanging out with your friends and drinking. Now, you can replace drinking with, I don't know, eating dessert or whatever else goes against the plan, whatever the plan is, you know, whatever your goal is. Now, let's talk about two subpar ways to deal with this scenario. One, you're a grumpy goose because you're on a diet and hence you're not drinking, you're not as much fun sober as you're drunk and you decide to show it. You have a weird out of superiority because hey, you're not drinking and you announce it 150 times and you end up making the situation worse. You end up not having fun because you decided not to have fun. Or the other method, you drink, you have a great time, and then the next morning is just filled with shame and guilt and weighing yourself 10 times. Oh, this is, uh, the scale's wrong maybe. Oh, I think I'm gonna go 
take a dump and then I'm going to measure myself. Or maybe I'll walk around a little bit. Maybe I'll work out and what? Just stop. Instead, instead, how about this? In the first scenario, you've decided not to drink. Great. Sometimes you drink, sometimes you don't. Having that flexibility in an approach, as Josh Hillis recommends, is a great place to start. And let's say it's just a coin toss, and today the coin toss was you don't drink. So what? You don't really need to announce it. You can just chill and have a good time. You're not really physically in the same place, so your friends have no idea what you're drinking. Anyway, so there's no real peer pressure. You can chill. You can have a good time. Being tightly wound and repeating you know, to yourself that, oh, I'm not drinking, so this is not as much fun, is part of the problem. Sure, of course, we lose enough. We, we might tend to have more fun drinking. Or this also has to do with the fact that being around drunk people is more fun when you're drunk, as any designated driver will tell you. You can just sip on your diet soda or water or whatever and hang out and have a good time because it is about friends. It is about just hanging out and having a good time. So why not do that? Or in the second scenario, the coin toss set, you're drinking. Great. As part of the decision-making process that happened prior to the evening, which ends with, yes, I'm going to drink and I'm going to have a good time. How about you have a few more guidelines along with it? You're probably going to feel a little bloated. Yeah, your weight's going to be up or down, but it is irrelevant. You will not obsess over it. You're not going to use it as a yardstick for anything. If anything, what you can look at is, did I drink too much? Uh, maybe I don't need to drink that much. To have a good time because I don't know drinking 10 beers meant the next day was out of whack so maybe I'm gonna stop with two beers whatever numbers you come up with in both scenarios go into it with the mindset of I'm gonna have a good time I'm not feeling guilty or succumbing to short-term fix-it measures play the long game Delinking, drinking, and having a good time is just one small part. The problem is not the drinking. No, the problem is never good or bad habits or anything like that. Many times it's about the dosage. Most times it's about the mindset. So do play the long game. Distance yourself from immediate results. Try to let go of patterns. Play the scenario out in your head. Go along. See how it feels. Relax. I hope that's useful for your next night of uh, drinking or the morning after. It's okay to get things wrong. Yeah? Generally, we just try to learn from that wrong thing and use it for the next time onwards. So, 
let me know how your next night of drinking goes. With that, we're done with this week's edition. Thanks for listening. This is Coach AA signing off. You have a good one.